0: Story that's developing right now. The violence we've been
1: experiencing in the city of Detroit. I believe we have the makings of what appeared to be a serial killer. Giving police clues, leaving a victim's sock on.
2: on Winthrop Street in Detroit's west side. However, another man was given credit for this heinous crime, Rudolph Law Henderson, in a viral video that showcased the man moving a body. After a brief hiatus, Martin would go on to claim his next victim, the same style as his first, leaving a used condom and stealing a sock as a trophy. Unfortunately, his work would go unnoticed. As he awaits to claim his next victim, this is stalking for a sociopath. Welcome to stalking for a sociopath. I'm your host Dil Morrill, and let's get down to it. We got a great show for you today. Promise you a little bit more of a polished show. We got a new format so let's get started here. We're gonna be diving in first. We got a our next victim here. We got Nancy Harrison. So Nancy Harrison was a Hazel Park woman. She was uh, found and was found March 19th 2019 in a vacant house of 2070 block of Coventry and East State Fair on the city's east side and it was there where her body was found by a local Detroit man who was there apparently to smoke some weed so yeah when you're going to smoke guys you got to be safe out there you know nothing wrong with smoking in the woods or in the car on the way to work but you know maybe you should rethink going into that vacant house to smoke you know you never know when you're going to come across a dead body Alright, so the thing about this is Detroit Police Chief James Craig said initially they believed Nancy died from an overdose that they only learned that she had been the victim of a homicide two months later just days before the body of the second victim was found. So you mean to tell me (laughs) the the Detroit Police it took up two months to decide that it was a homicide. So it took up two months to decide that there was some foul play there, you know? Oh, Yeah. The victim, she has a broken nose. There's abrasions, contusions on her hands and face. Oh, she's got a broken nose? You know what? That has to be an OD. Yeah, that must have been some really good coke. You know, there's no other way to explain it. All right, boys, case solved. Yeah, let's rule the overdose. Yeah, case solved. Yeah, there's no way there's any foul play there. Oh, good job, boys. Another job well done. Now, I don't really watch the news, but apparently... I guess in the recent years, there's been some animosity and some bad blood against the police in our country. Don't get me wrong, it's not easy being a cop now, especially nowadays, where most people are either lying to you or they're afraid you're going to shoot them. But the police actually acknowledged, you know, the dislike amongst the people. So all the cops got together collectively and came to a solution. One cop said, if we don't shoot any more minorities, we can't get any more bad press. Well, they found that to be a little challenging, so... They decided to stop working altogether. Now, if you're wondering why the police won't answer any calls in Detroit, you know, that's why. And yeah, what makes this case interesting, or what makes this part of the story interesting here is, so Nancy Harrison is actually considered the first victim. So right now, the police are a little behind on the trail. So the first two murders, they don't even, they're not even really aware of. They're they're aware of the Netta Nelson because that was his own thing, but it was kind of open and shut, you know, just left open. So right now, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Harrison is considered the first victim here. And we got another victim a couple days later, which we're going to get into um, a little bit. So it's pretty much, man, Martin here, where he goes by a couple different names. You know, it goes by the the Stranger, the Motor City Masher, the Stocking Stuffer, or my personal favorite, the Trojan. So in the last episode, I talked about how certain parts of the aspects of the investigation were derailed. So essentially, the second victim... Uh, deborah reynolds here deborah reynolds her body was never identified and it was decomposed at such a rate that when it was found they weren't able to identify as a cause of death um really weren't able to kind of get anywhere with it so pretty much it was left to to one cop or you know a couple cops but whoever was the officer decided to tell you know darren lasco hey we don't want to smell that shit fucking call us you know when we don't have to smell it we don't want to babysit this shit so that's all it takes man is one fucking incompetent jackass one negligent motherfucker to just to uh, kind of throw it off for everyone else you know and that's all it takes is one person one person to ruin things for everybody else you know everybody will having a good time and some idiot will always take things a little too far And you know what i noticed it's always the same group of people it doesn't matter where you go Any country, any city, these people are everywhere. And this particular group of people are probably some of the rudest, most selfish, inconsiderate, conceited, and greedy people you'll ever meet. I'm talking about the narcissists. Everywhere you go, these narcissists, you know, there's no sense of patience. They always act like they're the most important person in the world. They just come on, just waving by like they're the president or some shit. You know, it's funny, you know, they'll they'll be an asshole to someone and they'll say, say thank you for it. So a narcissist and a few friends went to a bar one night. You know, they're having a few drinks, mingling, getting a little loose. However, it was one of those nights where too much alcohol caused a little bit of problems. Let's just say it was not a good night for the boys. A lot of shame, humility, and a whole lot of heartbreak. It was just a night that everyone wanted to forget. So the next day, everyone was trying to piece together a night. They got an Uber, Uber ride to their car downtown. So on the way to get their cars, the narcissist makes the driver stop at a gas station so he could use the bathroom and grab a few snacks. You know, it makes everyone wait for a little bit. So the Uber driver looks around and says, Looks, you guys had, looks like you guys had a wild night. How was the night? The first friend says, Man, it was awful. I had a thousand bucks for my rent in my wallet, and I woke up this morning it was gone. I think someone stole it. I'm not going to be able to pay my rent this month, and I don't know what I'm going to do. The Uber driver then says, damn, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, what about you? You must have had a better night. The second friend takes off his hood and turns, turns his head showing a black eye and says, does it look like I had a good night? Some asshole sucker punched me out of nowhere and started stomping on me when I was on the ground. I'm pretty sure I have some broken ribs and a concussion, and I got to go to the hospital, and I don't have health insurance. I don't know what I'm going to do. Sorry to hear that, kid. Some people are terrible out there. What about you? You must have had a better night. Third friend said, trying to hold back his sobbing. It was the worst night of my life. Me and my girlfriend got in a fight last night. She cheated on me and texted me this morning saying we're over. I don't know what I'm going to do. Damn, that's rough. Sorry to hear that, kid. Sounds like you guys had the worst luck last night. Then out comes the narcissist. Comes out of the gas station drinking an energy drink and holding a bag of snacks in his hand. Gets in the car and happy as could be. The Uber driver then turns to him and says, What about you? I'm guessing your night was just as bad as these three? The narcissist then says, Man, I had the time my light last night. Last night I got so drunk I beat the shit out of some kid who wouldn't shut up. I woke up with a thousand bucks in my pocket, and apparently I fucked some poor sap's girlfriend. I just hope everyone else had as good of a time as I did. And that's all it takes is one person. One person to fuck things up for the rest of us. Alright, so we're going to start this deep dive, we're going to go into uh one of the first articles, first videos here, and one of the things too, man, is it shows how much of a mess, like, some of this coverage is, it's like every other article, fucking the news is news is off by something, like the one dude here says fucking, uh, like the the second victim wasn't found until, like, May something, don't, don't worry about that, it was found, like, we're going to get into it, it was found a couple days after, but just uh, as a disclaimer here, you know, Alright, so this article is from June 6, twenty nineteen. And this is pretty much uh when like the news was like brought about that there was actual serial killer. So even though that started like a year prior, like they didn't even like the first two victims they didn't even associate with this till like pretty much like near near the end when the dude was caught. So this is the article right here. So my sister didn't deserve this. Family of women slain by potential Detroit serial killers speak out. So this is um from click on Detroit see is from Coco McAvoy and is the reporter on this. So it was published June sixth, twenty nineteen, five twenty PM. So let's get into this. And one of the first taglines here says family says early signs indicated that Harrison was murdered. So I don't know if they just wanted to cover it up or if they're <laughs> the police were actually you know that uh gullible to believe oh yeah she must have overdosed you know drugs are quite popular with the kids nowadays you know must have been a drug problem you know there's no way someone got murdered and i call bullshit when i see it and that shit don't add up all right so tim and gary harrison want to remember want people to remember their sister nancy harrison for who she was this is a statement from from the article i'm reading so a great great heart she would do she would help anybody do anything Tim Harrison said, My sister didn't deserve this. So, Nancy Harrison's body was located inside an abandoned home on Coventry Street. Uh, it was March 19th, it was discovered. So, Detroit police chief says uh, initially they believed Nancy Harrison died as a result of a drug overdose. So, her brother was not happy with the ruling. They said signs pointed to murder from the very beginning. He says, The woman had a broken nose, broken jaw, blunt trauma to the head. So, yeah. No way. No, no drug is gonna fuck you up that hard, yeah. So, definitely foul play there. So, Detroit police are now actively looking for a possible serial killer and rapist in connection with three deaths. So, there's three deaths in this article that they go on. So, even though we have already, this is technically the third victim. This is considered the first uh, victim in the string of murder. So, Chief Cre- Chief Craig, Chief Creek. <laughs> Chief Craig, he said, he wants to be the hero by saying his people are on it and stuff. No, no, Tim said. Please believe the, t- the targeted killer woman who worked in the sex industry. Gary Harrison said that's not the case with the sister. She wasn't down there working to make money or support her habit, Gary Harrison said. So, you know, it's pre- pretty apparent, you know, she had a, had a drug issue. You know, she had a, I assume it probably crack, you know, like a, a Ned Nelson, but, you know. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's another thing. So along with being in the sex industry, having like a substance abuse problem or just, you know, that seems to be another, another factor here as well. So their family's determined to get to the bottom of what happened for their loved one. If it takes a day, it takes a week, it takes a month, it takes a year. We're going to find out who did this, Gary Harrison said. And let me play a video here of this. It's going to kind of highlight some of the other victims too. Because we got another victim, we're gonna get into those. Found uh, well, I think four days later. Um, so yeah, man, Martin's really stepping up his game. Kind of wants that clout, you know, wants that infamy. So we are gonna here get into it
0: for a serial killer on Detroit's east side. We've now confirmed the identities of two of the three victims. First, the body of Travisine Ellis was found on May 24th. That was on Lynnhurst Street. And Nancy Harrison's body was found back on March 19th inside a vacant home on Coventry, not far from I-75 and East State Fair. Our Coco McAvoy spoke with him. Now first,
2: all right, so these guys are fucking clowns. Like, this dude, one, they get the facts wrong. So in the press release, the full report, so it actually states that there was found uh, March 24th, whatever. So a few days after, uh, yeah, I believe March 24th, we can, you can refute that. And I'm talking in regard of, to the second victim, Travisine Ellis, the supposed second victim. Um, yeah, she was reported dead on I mean, March 24th, you know, 2019. The dude, you know, our, our reporter over there, he said uh, May 24th. So, you know, could have just got the got the months off, but, you know, just want to clear that up real quick. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, this one, two, they, like, they say, like, the second victim first. It's like, dude, are you trying to confuse people or are you just fucking stupid? Yeah, so uh, this reporter, and no, no offense to you, man, but I got my eye out on you, man. Because, like, you got to get your facts right, bro.
0: Back to it. Today, as police and the public work to catch this guy before he strikes again, Coco. Yes, good afternoon. We now know that police are looking into DNA as part of their investigation to help find this possible serial killer and rapist, But the family of one of the victims, Nancy Harrison, says police should have done more months ago when her body was found. (sighs) Tim Harrison wants people to remember his sister, Nancy Harrison, for who she was.
1: A great, great heart. She would help anybody do anything.
0: But it's difficult to talk about Nancy without thinking about the brutal way she was killed.
1: My sister did not deserve this.
0: Detroit police found Nancy's body inside of an abandoned home on Coventry Street back in March.
1: Initially, uh, the department believed that uh, she died as a result of a drug overdose.
0: But the medical examiner ruled her death a homicide, and the family says the signs were all there from the start.
1: The woman had a broken nose, broken jaw, blood trauma to the head. Now, did... All
2: right, so you can see it in the video, so... I know you can't see the video in front of you right now, but I got links. So if you guys want to check it out, I'm going to have links for you. So it shows, uh, you know, t- cocaine and the toxicology report. So it looks like we're right about, about that. So it looks like she, you know, had a little little dabble. But let's get back into this.
0: They're actively looking for a possible serial killer and rapist in connection to three deaths, including Travisine Ellis and Nancy.
1: Chief Craig, he wants to be the hero by saying his people are on it and stuff. No. No.
0: Police believe the predator targeted women in the sex industry. But Gary Harrison says that's not the case for his sister.
1: She wasn't down there working to make money or to support her habit.
0: The family is determined to get to the bottom of what happened to their loved one in whatever way they can.
1: If it takes a day, it takes a week, it takes a month, it takes a year, we're going to find out who did this.
0: And Crime Stoppers is offering a reward for information about Nancy Harrison's death. We'll have that information on our website. But coming up at six o'clock, we speak with a community organization that's out on the streets talking to women within the sex industry, and they say they are terrified. And we also speak with people who know the second victim in this case, Travisine Ellis, back to you. Well, Coco, we just heard what the Harrison family is saying about uh, Nancy's investigation. If police responded to those comments, Yes. So police say their hands were tied. They were waiting on the medical examiner's report that ruled it a homicide before they started investigating it as a homicide. And they say they will continue to investigate this case thoroughly.
2: All right. So the next article I want to get into is from Heavy.com. So it's titled Kenneth D'Angelo Martin, Serial Killing Person of Interest. It was written by Jessica McBride. I'm gonna be. It looks like yeah, it says it was written, but it looks like updated June 8th, 2019, at 2:11 a.m. So, right around, this is the time, right around the time that everything was kind of released to the public, where they started making press releases, started, you know, making it available, making it known that there was a serial killer kind of on the loose. And, you know, looking back, you know, it's with good reason, because one thing, too, is, like, you know, these cases, you really don't want to, you really just don't want to spew, you start spewing information and cause a panic. But it looks like, and it seems like the reason that they, they released it now or at least at that time, it looks like they also had the person of interest. So they had Martin in custody at that time. So you could say it's convenient. You could say, you know, you could say what you want. But that's why I got all the all the facts here and all the articles for you to read. So you kind of see for yourself. So Martin was arrested shortly after the police released his name. Um, he was located at a bus stop. It was June eighth, 2019. So literally uh, like a day, two days after... You know, the news was released, the whole thing with the serial killer, he was uh he was arrested. So he was described as homeless, even though there's reports saying that, um, you know, after his father passed away he was living with his grandma, but um yeah, it's clear that, you know, he was homeless to an extent where you like to hang around in the east side. That's where you lure a lot of these whores or a lot of these these prostitutes, ladies of the night. All right, so this is what's interesting here. So, there says there are three deaths that the police, you know, fear that could be linked to a single killer. And this is in the article. It's really literally released two days after, you know, Martin Mar was a person of interest. So, it says, however, in two of those cases, it hasn't been determined for sure that the woman died of homicide. So, Nancy Harrison, she was believed to die of a drug overdose. You know, like be mentioned before, you know, she was discovered on March 19th. However, it was later determined that she was murdered because of blunt force trauma to the head. Now, the second victim, Travisine Ellis. She was found uh, deceased, going to be on March twenty fourth. And one thing that's pretty interesting is all the early articles they cover it being May twenty fourth. But when you look into like the later, like especially now with a lot of like the court cases and like the the, the press release um, released by like the the Wayne County uh, prosecutor, so all that stuff says May twenty fourth, like the old the old stuff. But all the newer articles says March twenty fourth. Which that's been you know it's kind of been cleared up, but if you go back, man, a lot of a lot of stuff just doesn't make sense. A lot of stuff, you know, there's a lot of different articles, different news, news stations are reporting different stuff, different names, different dates, different times. So that's why we're here to clear it all up. So, Travisine Travisine Ellis was found deceased on March 24th and reported missing, and a third victim was found deceased in a vacant home on June 5th. So it says all of only one of those three women have been ruled by the medical examiner as a homicide, which is Nancy Harrison um, which is a kind of kind of odd to be able to link that to a serial killer because we're talking earlier about how one of the um, the second victims we weren't able to, to link that at all essentially because it's the decomposition. Um, so even right now like after the trial has been pretty much taken care of, um, there's still like one one body that we know for a fact that was a victim but due to like the circumstances unable to prove identify a cause of death so here you have two bodies that you know unable to identify cause of death but you need to tell me that you know they link them to the serial killer now there is circumstances and stuff so especially with a lot of the calling cards so this makes me ask you know the question why do they consider this you know why are these people's families getting justice and not uh Deborah Reynolds, so give me one moment real quick. And right here, so this is a statement, this is from the same article. This is a statement from Detroit Mayor Mayor Mike Dugan. So this is pretty much an explanation why they considered like so at the time of this, like, there was only one homicide, but they brought him in on like serial killer charges and you know, so this is what I'm going to read right here. So, there is such a similarity in the scenes of the three homes that is certainly a strong possibility that one individual was responsible for all three, said Detroit Mayor Mike Dugan, adding that the police were going to make sure says that we do not have any more victims in the city's abandoned homes. Then the homes will be boarded up, he said. It's critical to get all the vacant homes torn down in the next five years. So, one thing I want to read that, because that is very important. So, this whole... This whole journey we're on, we're gonna get into a lot of stuff, it just kinda keeps deeper and deeper. But I want to kind of make clear kind of the correlation between this and then the blight. And we'll get into, you know, the blight, you know, what that is if you really don't know too much, if you're not from Detroit or, you know, just kind of not too informed with it. But um yeah, so within these cases when you start to look in these articles, there's a huge emphasis about tearing down vacant homes, about how The blight, these vacant homes are a danger to the city. And there's this whole plan to tear down all these homes. So this is kind of, you know, kind of just threading in the breadcrumbs, just threading in, you know, all the info, what's to come. So we're going to get back to kind of the murders here and we're going to get down that, down the line. But I'm going to continue reading on. All right, yeah, because this has been a real, kind of real messy case. You know, what I'm about to get into here is kind of just a little bit of fact-checking and kind of just where things don't align. So first I want to read you, last week I read you guys from a document from the Wayne County's prosecutor's office. So this was in, like, 2019 when they came up with the charges. So this is when they officially charged Martin. So this is the uh, the statements for each of the victims, and this is when they actually took an account of Annette Nelson. So right here I'm going to read you. Last week I read you Annette's um, Portion. I'm going to read The next victim, Travisine Ellis So this is what it says officially So officially so On March twenty fourth, 2019 at 7.20pm Detroit police officers responded To a police run for a dead person At a location of a vacant house In the 13700 block of Lindhurst The the officers discovered A deceased female positioned face down And a used condom was found near her body Man, if we haven't seen that before Alright, so medics called to the scene and pronounced the victim deceased. She was later identified as Travisine... Now, it says Willis. Like, come on, man. Have some respect for the dead. Travisine Ellis, 55, of Detroit. Her cause of manner of death were undetermined due to advanced composition. So, even though she was found in March, most likely, this was probably taken... Like, it could have been, man, maybe December. Like, December when, you know, they found the body for Nancy. It could have been around then. It could have been, um... could have been... Uh, January, because we got to think too when it's like holding that, you know, maybe the composition may be halted a little bit, but oh, yeah, and just uh, kind of clear things up when I said Nancy just a second ago, I meant Deborah in December when they found Deborah. And when I say decomposition, decomp- I mean decomposition, you know, sorry, I'm a little illiterate. All right, let's go. Yeah, so an investigation by the Drake Police Department led to the identification and arrest of the defendant. So, defendant Martin has been charged with first-degree murder and felony murder based upon the underlying felony of criminal se- sexual contact, the third degree, and that's for, for that. So, real quick, let me pull this up here. Now, I'm saying uh, the, now, all the articles, like like I said before, it says the body of the second victim, Travisine Ellis, was found on May 24th on Lynnhurst between Gratiot and Chalmers on the city's east side, and it says no further details released about her death. Um, she was reported missing on May fifteenth. She was last seen on April twenty-first in the thirteen or one three zero 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 block of Linhurst, where her body was later discovered. So that's so. There's people that are saying they have an account of you know seeing her like in April, saying, "Oh yeah, the last time we saw her was in um was on Easter, which was I think April twenty-first in 2019, and then um yeah, and then she was you know reported missing in May, so." A lot of now, like, when you go into, like, the, the court and you go to the official documents, it says the 20, the, the March 23rd. So a lot of it's not making sense because you got witnesses, you got people saying, yeah, saw her, you know, on March past or past the day she supposedly died. So there's just stuff that just doesn't make up, just doesn't make make sense. Like things have been refuted, like, you know, info has been changed. So I wonder if. The the witness kind of pulled back their statement, or the the family members who issued this statement. So I want to go into something real quick, and this is just kind of what I find really interesting. So this is kind of like an examination. So this is this is called serial ki- serial killer experts say kneeling corpses are symbolic. So this is from the Detroit News. This was published June eleventh, two thousand nineteen. So this is like an expose, like a couple of days after kind of just going into like the mind of Martin. So you have serial killer experts kind of breaking down his his motives. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. So we're going to get into this real quick, kind of like a step aside. And then I'm going to get a little bit into the, the blight we're talking about. And I got a fun segment I think you guys are going to like. Alright, here we go. Serial killer experts say kneeling corpses are symbolic. So this is from George Hunter of the Detroit News, published 6.15pm on June 11th, 2019. Let's get into it. So it's Detroit. The person who killed three prostitutes before arranging their bodies in a kneeling position likely wanted to punish women for their profession and establish dominance over them, experts said. Detroit Police Chief James Craig said investigators include the deaths were the work of a serial killer because of a signature linking to the crimes. So at this point, so like it's still there's still two bodies that don't have a determined cause of death, but right now since the you know since there's a correlation to each of the crimes with that signature that they're able to you know ab- they able to you know classify it as a serial killer case. So sources told Detroit News this week that three women's bodies were found kneeling with used condoms left on the floor nearby and in abandoned houses on the city's east side. DNA from the condoms matches one man, sources says. And Craig denied to confirm or deny whether the victims were kneeling, but said in general serial killers like to have some sort of signature. They want their crime to stand out, said Craig, who was a vice squad officer in um, Los Angeles during the investigation of Lonnie Franklin, dubbed the Grim Sleeper. And that was when he took a 14-year-old, or 14-year hiatus from killing spree. So, yeah, so James Craig, this isn't his first rodeo. So he used to work, uh, he worked in L.A., LAPD for about 30 years. And actually, I actually got a copy on the Internet. Good old Internet, man. You can find fucking anything. So I actually found a copy of his job resume. For when he applied for the Ohio Police Department, so it shows all of his years. Um. Yeah, it shows all of his years, you know, on there. So I'm trying. I've been trying to kind of like pinpoint, trying to think like where in his career, but he had to work the case anywhere between 1988 and 2007. So the thing is, so Lonnie Franklin, the Grim Sleeper, so he he yeah he, he went on a spree for a little bit, but by it went 14 years, he like just went dark. So. I'm trying to try to think if he was in the original investigation or kind of that resurgent where they got him, but yeah, he was a, a vice officer, so I'm guessing it's gonna be earlier because you know he's you know he's by the, by the time when that's um yeah by by the time two thousand seven comes around, he's already a sergeant, so he's already kind of like top of the line here now Franklin also mostly attacked prostitutes that was his main kind of like niche of his like victim list. So, Craig said sex, work, sex workers are often targets of serial killers because they're on the fringes, he said. Often, they don't want to talk to the police. and If they go missing, no one will really report it, which is kind of true. I mean, that's, you, know, give, give, you know, to give the benefit of the doubt, I mean, that is a factor here, you know, why some of these, these victims really weren't noticed or there weren't really, like, a light shine on their disappearance. So, real quick, says, Martin was arrested Friday at a bus stop in Gratiot and charged Monday with a separate crime the sexual assault of a 26-year-old woman, one of two victims who got away from the attacker, Craig said. The other woman, um, attacked, he attacked June 3rd, it was in her, in her 50s, Craig said. So, yeah, so the three deceased women found in little vacant homes, I mean, this is, I mean, we got Annette and Nelson, that was, that was 57, but then we have the, the other ones, we have Travisine Ellis, we have Nancy Harrison, and, um, yeah, we got one more, which we haven't gotten to yet. We'll, we'll do that, you know, down the line in another episode. But, yeah, so we got 55, 52, 53, 57, so all in the 50s. Um, we got Dr. Stephen Raffel, a California forensic scientist specializing in serial killers, and he's provided uh, kind of an expert witness testimony about 150 trials, and he said the choice to kill prostitutes may be what's known as the Madonna Whore Complex, which... Which in men, they see women as either saintly or fallen. So, Raffles stressed that he would have to examine the suspect to reach definitive conclusions, but said there are some aspects of the Detroit killings that apply to most serial killers. So, what's the symbolism of the kneeling? So he says, I presume he's punishing them for their behavior, Raffles said. It's not so different than Jack the Ripper, a serial killer in London during the 1880s, who also singled out prostitutes as victims. So by posing them, kneeling, the killers likely demonstrating to himself or in whoever his audience is, is that these are fallen women. You know, he's putting them in God's role as the enforcer of morality. I mean, that's quite a hot take to say it. You know, you could bring God into it and make, you know, make it religious. Um, but, yeah, it's personally, man, these serial killers, Mario, I think they're just fucked in the head. I mean, you can make it about God. You know, they're just trying to please God, and, you know, they're being one of God's soldiers. But, yeah, I think they're just fucking crazy, man. I mean that's that's his take, you know. He is the expert, you know. So, serial killers, believe it or not, they see themselves as highly moral moralistic people who are offended at, at the act of prostitution to such a degree that they act out in this rage. Say so they want women to be madonnas, and when a woman is not Madonna, then that woman is a personal insult to them. So they punish the transgressor. They have to see women as perfect perfection and nurturing not sexual objects their own upbringing usually leads to a splitting of a good mother, bad mother and the prostitute represents the bad mother who must be punished. Now when you talk about mothers, man, cuz there's a, quite a few with with there there's quite a bit of history with this with this dude. So his mother and I'm, I'm going to get to the article cuz it gets it gets a whole it turns into a whole thing. There's multiple things, but his mother actually was um Part of like some like big like drug smuggling operation, so she actually is in prison for, for murder. Um, and, and the story gets crazy, so I, I'm just gonna kind of leave it at that right now, but yeah, his so that, that's the thing. So he, he, there could be some type of like mommy issues, some type of like nurturing factor, you know. So yeah, man, this this expert ain't, ain't, ain't too far off there. So, all right. So, yeah, we, right now we got another expert. So we got Enzo Yacek, or Yacic, So co-founder of the Atypical Homicide Research Group, which gathers data about serial killers. And he added, the kneeling position is symbolic that it signifies a position of submission. So placing the victim on their knees, Yaksik said, essentially dictates that he maintains total power and control over his victims. Most serial murders are motivated to dominate others and their actions are, reflect, are a reflection of that need. So some r- ritualistic behaviors are subtle, but when serial murderers oppose a victim and in such a manner is designed to kind of gratify themselves and send a message to others that they are superior. When asked why the killer allegedly left condoms near the bodies, which would make it easy for police to track them, the actor said, not all serial murders are as intelligent as they're portrayed in the movies. Which makes sense. I mean, like, when I got in there, I thought, like, Martin was some criminal mastermind, man. Like, he was fucking, like, Kaiser Jose or some shit, you know? Come to find out, though, like, these cops, these serial killers, like, they ain't Brad Pitt. Like, they're not fucking, you know, Denzel and shit. This ain't training day, you know? I mean, kind of is like training day, because I think, you know, there's some shady shit going on, but yeah. Not the fucking geniuses you think on TV and, and movies, man. Uh, you know, we're we're normal people. They're normal people. They make mistakes. So not all serial murders are as talented as they're portrayed in the movies. They can, some oftentimes, be careless and so over overconfident that they pay less attention to the details like this. So dude is just fucking dropping loads all over the place. But like, yeah, there's no way this will come back to me, which I didn't know until recently, man. Like I was watching a show where dude leaves behind like like piss, um, you like a- at a scene, and it's like I'm like, oh man, like. That's sure and like he fucked. He's fucked. But no, like, yeah, for some reasons, like urine, they really can't like test urine as they would like a like a blood sample or they would like a um like a semen sample, so but yeah, man, blood and semen, that's pretty much the theme of this murder here, so D'Angelo Martin. So ironically, it is those elements that lead to their capture, Yaksik said. Serial killers aim to recreate situ- situations they idolize about and can lose themselves in a moment of trying to see their fantasies come into fruition. And, man, yeah, there's a whole lot of uh, whole lot of revelance there. Especially, too, it reminds me of this one. Uh, I'm sure all you true crime junkies watch that don't fuck with cat shit. So that one, I think it was a, uh, I don't even want to mention kill- killer's names give, other than my killer, you know what I mean? Like, the people I'm covering, I'll give them all the hype they want, but these other guys, I ain't going to give them hype. But that one dude pretty much that was killing cats on the internet, pretty much his whole thing is the his victim. It was all just an homage to fucking like uh what was that movie of Michael Douglas? Basic Instinct and fucking all uh, American Psycho. So the dude pretty much committed his murders as like a big homage to like these characters in the movies. So yeah, man. Some people are just fucked in the head, you know. And not fucked like us, you know. We're we're the good kind of fucked in the head. You know, I know I said that before, but Everyone's a little fucked in the head, you know. That's our audience here, you know. Not everyone is peachy, peachy keen. not everybody is, you know, clean as portrayed. You know, there's a little grit to us. You know, that's why. That's why we like this shit. All right, so I got a pretty important, uh, pretty important clip for you guys to listen to. So this is the, actually the official press release. So this is from the mayor himself. So this is the big guy in the office, the big guy. So this is from Mike Dugan. Um, And you can watch this, too. You can listen to this. This is, like, an 18-minute press release when they first released all this. So it has, like, James Craig talking about it. It has, I think, the deputy chief. So if you want to listen to the whole thing, I encourage you. But real quick, I really want to highlight this from here. So this is uh, Mayor Mike Dugan's statement on the matter.
1: Um, I want to start by thanking Chief Craig uh, and the police department and the homicide team for their handling of this. Uh, We have three women who we all believe were victims of homicides, Nancy Harrison, Travisine Ellis, and a third individual uh, found in the house on MAC uh, that we haven't identified. Uh, Only one of those three has been ruled by the medical examiner to be a homicide, that was Nancy Harrison. Uh, We don't yet have a cause of death on the second two women, and it is not very often that you would see a police chief stand up and say to the community, I think there's a possibility of a serial killer when the medical examiner has only identified one homicide. But there was such similarity in the scenes of the three homes that it's certainly a strong possibility that one individual was responsible for all three. Rather than wait until the chief knew for sure, he felt it was important to warn this community about the possibility uh, of somebody uh, killing women in this manner, and so went out publicly ahead of the confirmation. And I think it was the right thing to do, and I commend the chief and everybody from the department from, for being uh, so decisive. Um, one of the things that's troubling is that it has been days, and in one case, weeks before the bodies were discovered. Uh, and so that raises the possibility that there could be another vacant house on the east side uh, that um, uh, may have a victim. We have no reason to believe that, but we need to check it out. And I so I don't
2: know if you hear that. So there's no reason to think there is uh, any victims, but let's go check it out. Let's go through all the houses in the city and let's go take a look. So I'm gonna play this, and you kind of you kind of get where I'm going or where I'm going at. Getting at
1: this is last night. Uh, DPD today is stepping up in a very strong way. And starting at 11 o'clock today, 40 neighborhood police officers are going to be deployed in teams of two across the east side. They are going into every open and abandoned house in the east side over the next two to three weeks and going to make certain uh, that we do not have any more victims. Then, once uh, the Detroit Police Department have certified each house, Uh, as being appropriate for board-up, our eight board-up teams are going to come through and board-up those homes. Some of you might remember I promised that by the end of this year, every house in the city would either be demolished, occupied, or boarded. Our board-up teams have boarded up 19,000 houses in this city. We have 2,000 to go, 1,000 on the east side and 1,000 on the west side. As of today, we are putting those eight board-up teams on overtime. They're going to be going six days a week. And we have a goal to have every single house on the east side boarded up by the end of July and every house in this city boarded up by the end of September. And as the neighbors know, once you've boarded up a house, there are times uh, when somebody pries those boards off. And when that happens, generally uh, people are up uh, to no good. And so we uh, are, at the end of September, going to add an app to the Improved Detroit app that will allow you to report when somebody has gone in. But for today, uh, if you see individuals pulling boards off of a home, we'd like you to call the TCRU unit of the Detroit Police Department at 313-267-4600, and we'll get that out to you. But if you see people pulling boards off, we want to make sure we will come out and respond immediately. It doesn't do any good to board them up and then have them come back down. The other thing, though, is that we have to remove the blight from this community. It has been a plague on this city for far too long. And so told you by the end of fall, uh, there will be 21,000 houses boarded up. We believe 3,000 of those can be renovated and sold, 18,000 have to be demolished. Uh, this week, we knocked down our 18,000 house. We are exactly uh, at the halfway point uh, and we are knocking down houses at the rate of 3,500 to 4,000 a year, four times faster than anybody else in the country. Uh, we are pushing these contractors as fast as they can be pushed. And over time, you know, I've been criticized for pushing them too fast, but this is the reason. Getting these houses down is absolutely critical. And so I will always be appreciative of the Treasury Department and the $265 million in federal money that has gotten us uh, this far. And that money will last until the spring. But those monies have come with great restrictions. We can only demolish in federally approved zones. We can't demolish houses that, that the land bank doesn't already own. And so the three houses where the women were found All of them were in areas that the federal demolition money could not legally be used uh, to demolish. And so, uh, as I proposed last week, and we are going to push forward on it quickly, we do want to go out for a $200 million bond issue in March of this year. We're going to go to the voters. We can sell those bonds because of the city's improved financial situation without raising taxes on anyone. And between that funding and uh, the other funding has been set aside, we can get every abandoned house in this city down in the next five years. Last week, I was at a meeting where a teacher gave me um, a number of handwritten notes from elementary students at Thurkle. And I sat and read every one. They sat down and I handwrote them. What do they want to see? And some of them you'd expect from kids anywhere. I want more field trips for my school. I want a soccer field near my house. I want uh, new rims on the basketball court. But most of them talked about how scared they felt living in an area that had these abandoned houses. We have to make eliminating blight from these neighborhoods critical priority, which is why we're going to go to the voters in the spring uh, and finish the job. Uh, And so I want to thank everyone up here for the efforts that they have made so far. Um, I have been extensively briefed over the last few days by the entire homicide team and I am extremely impressed with the thoroughness and the professionalism. And at this point i uh, like to introduce the person who's leading that. Alright, I'm going
2: to stop that right now. So, As you can see after listening to that statement, and I carefully or I, I advise you to kind of carefully go back and listen to this, you know, after all these episodes are out, kind of go back but as you can see now, there is a bigger picture here, a way bigger picture. As you can see, there's a huge emphasis on the blight, and the blight essentially is all the abandoned infrastructure in Detroit. So there's correlation to high crime, you know, there's, like, like I mentioned, there's whores, prostitutes, there's murderers, and, you know, people being found dead in these buildings. So it is it is a public safety issue. However, now... He's stressing about how there's already a plan in effect there's a plan in effect to pretty much board up all these homes and to, to you know to fight the blight to you know you heard him himself so there is certain federal funding that kind of forbid certain demolitions and all the houses that they demolished were these they found these they're kind of in that in that zone so my question is would Progress that they made with the blight would they have been able to have it get it done without the serial killer case because the serial killer case opened the whole public safety issue, and you know we're gonna do a whole episode on the blight next week um we're really gonna dive into it, and um there's a whole lot of factors you know I kind of just want to want to introduce, but this is kind of just a uh, kinda kind of kind of leave you thinking here now I'd like to introduce a new segment on the show for you. I like to call this motown murder theater we do a little reenactment of the, of the murders here. So, hope you enjoy. And now, our featured presentation Motown Murder Theater, Episode 1 St. Patty's Murder Trojan Strikes Again. Sunday, March 17th, 2019, a day of celebration for the masses, and for some, it marked a day of great loss. It was a typical St. Patrick's Day celebration for the people of Detroit. Green had flooded the streets as the Michigan State had just won a championship. It was on the banners of every street corner, on the clothes of everyone in sight, and it was even in the beer. The annual St. Paddy's Parade in Quarktown rejuvenated the spirit into the city. As marching bands played an assortment of Irish melodies, floats embroidered with shamrocks, roamed the streets, clowns, street performers, and marching units continued to move west up Michigan Avenue, passing the grandstands, eventually dispersing around 14th Street. A massive turnout like most years attracting roughly eighty to a hundred thousand people, making it one of the largest St. Patty's parades in the country. And even though the parade itself lasted roughly about two hours, that didn't stop the city from celebrating as every pub or bar downtown carried on the tradition of getting shit faced for the holiday. Even being on a Sunday, that by none in the slightest made it less impactful, with a hand with a good handful of Metro Detroit citizens taking work off the next day. It was still A night to remember, if some people would be able to remember after a night of heavy, heavy drinking. However, for Nancy Harrison, this would be a holiday she would never forget, as it would be her last. She, like most people, polished off about six or seven green beers, and after a slew of flirty conversations, she decided she was hungry for a fix that would quell the cravings of her dirty habit. Originally from Hazel Park, Nancy frequented Detroit quite often as she enjoyed sporting events, and anything that was going on downtown, but most commonly she ventured onto the city's east side is that where is where a lot of her cash flow was spent? It was approaching eleven thirty p m and Nancy did the same old song and dance she always did, meeting a certain individual on a street corner and just for a, for just a hefty portion of her wages, he would in turn give her a bag of cocaine that had been cooked in the crack after packing a small rock under a crack pipe, she lit up before indulging. And wandering around East State Fair, approaching Coventry Street, where a Kiko gas station was nearby. It was there where she crossed paths with a man walking the streets just as she was. He was wearing all black and approached with a muttering of words that, to many, were incoherent. But that didn't bother her. She was well away from sober. Something uh, you look super sup girl what you doing. It was hard to tell if it was the crack buzz, or that was actively dying down, or the alcohol she consumed. But somehow, she found this random stranger charming. Hey, baby, you like what you see? Nancy said that she had another secret which was unknown to her brother's father and even her daughter. Nancy, in her spare time, was a sex worker, often leasing out her body to various men in the street. To put it respectfully, she was a lady of the night. Little did she know that her potential client had a dir- dirty secret of his own, for in his spare time, the stranger... Or the Trojan, as he would become known, had a particular hobby of raping and murdering prostitutes for whatever sick reason that got him off. Yeah, girl, I want a piece of that sweet ass. Come back to my place and we can get a little high. The man said, holding up a bag that housed the crack rock. Where's your place, sweetie? Right down the street in Coventry. Let's go. The stranger said, wrapping up, wrapping an arm around the woman's waist before clutching. woman's ass with a firm grip. It wasn't long until they found themselves on Coventry. Now away from the road's public eyes, they were now secluded in a neighborhood compiled of mostly vacant homes. This one's mine. I'll show you around, the stranger said with a slightly intoxicated mumble. The shin-high grass and bordered in the the board nailed over one of the home's windows drew no surprise to her. In the moment, all she cared about was getting paid for her services and getting a quick fix. A sharp creaking rustled her ears as the stranger opened the tattered door, revealing an unlit home that was akin to a dark abyss. She turned around in a circle, confused, taking the last bit of light bleeding through the door as the stranger concealed them both in the darkness. A scream emanated through the vacant home, which bled out into the street as... Such sounds would curdle the blood of anyone listening. However, Nancy's cries were left unheard, with both hands shuffling for the doorknob. Under the stress of being trapped, Nancy Nancy turned her head backward at the sound of the stranger's voice. Hey, bitch, bitch," the stranger said. Before a response could be met, the weight weight of a two-by-four swung with a lustful wrath, cracking Nancy in the head, immediately plopping her body on the sticky, stained, and dirt-covered wooden floor. With a two-by-four in hand, the stranger's other hand procured a clenching grip around Nancy's ankle as he proceeded to drag her concussed body down the stairs with her head bobbing and smacking on on each step all the way down. The stranger had frequented this place before, almost as a home base of operations, as the setup of the basement acted as a type of torture chamber, as Nancy believes she may have not been the first woman to be here. Nancy proceeded to sob in a disoriented state, knowing, no, not knowing why someone would do such a terrible thing to her, despite knowing the dangers of working in the sex industry. Why are you doing this to me? Please let me go! Shut the fuck up, whore! Your ass ain't going anywhere. The stranger turned, or the stranger yelled, instilling more fear into Nancy as she thought possible. His hands then grazed all up and down her body as the unclothed as he unclothed her, leaving the woman crying and naked in a fetal position. The stranger regained a hand on the two. On the 2.4, initially used to strike her down, and proceeded to pelt the woman's body over and over, striking her ribs, face, and hips. The man licked his lips before snuggling up to the woman as he were spooning with her with a lustful hand rubbing all up and down her unclothed body. Even the laceration that was oozing blood from her temple Nancy Nancy struggled trying to use whatever force she could to pry away in the stranger's haunting touch. While rolling around on the debris-covered floor, Nancy received several scratches along her naked body in a fight for her life. Unfortunately, the stranger found himself with a knee pressed against her abdomen.
1: Stop squirming, bitch,
2: the stranger said. The man retrieved a condom from his pants pocket as he ripped open the package, stuffing the wrapper in the woman's mouth to muffle her screams. The man found a lot of joy as he tried it on before continuing to violate Nancy over and over with the foul, in the most foul way he could fathom. With one hand clenched around the woman's throat, the stranger continued to bash the woman's face each time he drew into her. It wasn't long until the sick fuck got off with a twisted twisted sense of pleasure but decided his work was not yet finished. In the corner of the room, he retrieved his trusty two-by-four, and after several strikes of the psychopath's wrath, Nancy had suffered a broken nose, broken jaw, broken ribs, and contusions and lacerations all over her body. One last scream howled throughout the home as a strike of the stranger's bizarre weapon had become fatal. With the woman's lifeless corpse laying in a pool of her own blood, the stranger understood that every great artist put a signature on their work, and though that mostly applies to paintings, the sadistic killer added his own signature to the scene. He dragged the woman's woman's body, positioning her face down on all fours, then left a condom nearby. As he approached her one more time, he grazed the he he grazed the foot of her heel as he took Nancy's sock as a trophy, just as he had done to his other victims. Leaving a used condom at the scene. The Trojan strikes again. And that's it for our show today. I hope you guys all had fun. You can follow us on Instagram, We're gonna at yeah, Yo What's the Dill. Spelled like D Y L. Yo What's the Dill? D Y L. Yeah, hit me up. And yeah, if you guys want some of these articles and stuff, you know, I'll kind of break it down for you. But yeah, man, uh till next week. This is Stocking for a Sociopath, and I am Dill Morrill.